0: Nehemiah chapter 12 and if you've missed any studies uh, they're all up on the web now and if we had learner guides they're on there too so you can download those and uh, catch up Uh, we'll be in chapter 12 tonight and God willing we'll probably spend another Wednesday night uh, in the book of Nehemiah and we'll finish it up it's been a, a, a great study I think from my standpoint as far as what I've learned and how I've grown I trust that the same is the case for you and I'll give you a little preview of where we're going after this. We're going to tackle a little book in the New Testament, the whole book, and it's the book of Jude. And you might have the whole book on one page, Uh, Jude. Anybody ever done an in-depth study of the book of Jude? All right, well, it's an interesting little book, and we'll tackle that probably when we finish up with Nehemiah chapter 12. Now, the first part of Nehemiah chapter 12, uh, as you look at that, has a lot of those names. We've been looking at a lot of uh, difficult for us to pronounce names. Uh, talking about there, the priests, the Levites, the was it lists out through there the heads of the tribes and so forth. We're going to fast forward on down that chapter to get to verse number 27, where we have the dedication of the walls. The dedication of the walls. How many of you have ever heard the name Charles Haddon Spurgeon? Have you ever heard that name? Okay, a couple of you have. Charles Spurgeon is known as the Prince of Preachers. And none of us here tonight would have ever had the opportunity to hear him preach because he lived from 1834 to 1892. I'm assuming that's before all of our time. Uh, But he was known as the Prince of Preachers. If you were to come to my study uh, next door and you were to walk into my study, I have a large portrait of Spurgeon hanging on one of the walls. And uh, in that portrait, Mr. Spurgeon looks very serious. He's there and he's got uh, some uh, papers in his hand and he's looking... Um, But the picture does not tell the whole story about Charles Spurgeon. Uh, I understand that Spurgeon was once chided uh, for injecting a fair amount of humor in his preaching. People were a little bit upset about him having humor in his preaching, or so much humor. And he said with a twinkle in his eye these words, If only you knew how much I hold back, you would commend me. And uh, while I don't hold a candle or not even the same league with Charles Spurgeon when it comes to preaching, I can relate to him at that one point. I, too, have to hold myself back sometimes uh, when it comes to humor. What about you? Are you a joyful person? Are you joyful tonight? Are you joyful most of the time? Now, happiness and joy, we've learned, are two separate things, right? Happiness, and remember we would study through the book of Philippians, Uh, We saw the theme of joy there and we talked about happiness and joy, but happiness is what? Based upon our circumstances and we can be happy today and we can be sad tomorrow. We can be happy and sad the same hour. Uh, Happiness, it's depending upon the circumstances, but joy is something that is not based upon circumstances. Joy is based upon Christ. We're to have joy in Christ, joy in Jesus. Listen to these uh, passages. I'm going to read some passages to get started tonight. You can jot down the references if you want. First Peter 1, 6-9. First Peter 1, 6-9. In this you greatly rejoice, though now for a little while, if need be, you have been grieved by various trials. So we're talking trials there. That the genu- genuineness of your faith, being much more precious than gold that perishes, though it be tested by fire may be found to praise, honor, and glory at the revelation of Jesus Christ, whom, having not seen, ye love. Though now you do not see him, yet believing, you rejoice with joy inexpressible and full of glory, receiving the end of your faith, the salvation of your souls. We can rejoice and should rejoice even in the midst of trials. If we know Christ, if we're a believer, we should still have joy. That doesn't mean we may not experience sadness and loss, but we have a joy in Christ. A joy that is hard to understand for someone who's lost. Listen to this passage. You might want to turn to Psalm 27. I want to read that one to you tonight. Psalm 27. It's probably a familiar one, at least part of it. Psalm 27. As we think about rejoicing and joy. As we think about the theme of celebrate tonight. That's what we're studying here in Nehemiah 12. Celebrate. The dedication of the walls. Psalm 27, beginning at verse 1. The Lord is my light and my salvation. Whom shall I fear? The Lord is the strength of my life. Of whom shall I be afraid? When the wicked came against me to eat up my flesh, my enemies and foes, they stumbled and fell. Though an army may encamp against me, my heart shall not fear. Though war should rise against me, in this I will be confident. One thing have I desired of the Lord, that will I seek. That I may dwell in the house of the Lord all the days of my life. To behold the beauty of the Lord and to inquire in his temple. For in the time of trouble, he shall hide me in his pavilion. In the secret place of his tabernacle, he shall hide me. He shall set me upon a rock. And now my head shall be lifted up above my enemies all around me. Therefore, I will offer sacrifices of what? Of joy in his tabernacle. I will sing, yes, I will sing praises to the Lord. Hear, O Lord, when I cry with my voice. Have mercy also upon me and answer me. When you said, seek my face, my heart said to you, your face, Lord, I will seek. Do not hide your face from me. Do not turn your servant away in anger. You have been my help. Do not leave me nor forsake me, O God, of my salvation. When my father, my mother forsake me, then the Lord will take care of me. Teach me your way, O Lord, and lead me in a smooth path because of my enemies. Do not deliver me to the will of my adversaries, for false witnesses have risen against me, and such breathe of violence. I would have lost heart, notice this, I would have lost heart unless I had believed that I would see the goodness of the Lord in the land of the living. Wait on the Lord, be of good courage, and he shall strengthen your heart. Wait, I say, on the Lord. And maybe you're here tonight. And you're going through great trials and struggles and testings. And you feel like the psalmist there. I'm about to lose heart. He says, wait a minute. Wait on the Lord. Be of good courage. Rejoice in Him. Psalm 92, 1 and 2 says it this way. He who dwells in the secret place of the Most High shall abide under the shadow of the Almighty. I will say to the Lord, or of the Lord, He is my refuge, my fortress, my God. In Him I will trust. And then we're commanded to rejoice. Think about this verse, 1 Thessalonians 5, 16. The Bible says rejoice always. Now, wait a minute. What does always mean? It means always. Rejoice always. How about this one? Philippians 4, 4. Rejoice in the Lord always. And again, I will say rejoice. Rejoice, 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 rejoice. And as we come to Nehemiah chapter 12 tonight, we're reminded about how just important it is, or just how important it is, that we rejoice, we celebrate the goodness of our God. Now, think about our study up to this point. Had they known trials and testings and struggles and all in trying to rebuild this wall? Absolutely. I mean, enemies mocking, I mean, threatenings, I mean, having to stand guard. It had been a difficult time Yet they're rejoicing here because they're rejoicing in God. They had worked hard, they labored much, but now it was time to celebrate. We're going to look at the dedication of the wall. Let's just go ahead and look here, beginning at uh, verse number 27. All right? And uh, before I say that, let me give you a little quote from Wearsby. He said, The Jews were accustomed to having workers and watchers on the walls of Jerusalem, but now Nehemiah and Ezra assigned people to be worshippers on the wall. And uh, this, is, this is awesome. Uh, there's been workers, there's been watchers, now there's going to be some worshipers. So you notice very carefully what's going on as we read the text tonight. Then we'll come back and get some principles and some lessons for us. Nehemiah chapter 12, verse 27. Now at the dedication of the wall of Jerusalem, they sought out the Levites in all their places to bring them to Jerusalem to celebrate the dedication with gladness, both with thanksgivings and singing with cymbals and string instruments and harps. And the sons of the singers gathered together from the countryside around Jerusalem, from the villages of the uh, Netophathites, from the house of Gilgal, from the fields of Geba, and Asmaveth. For the singers had built themselves villages all around Jerusalem. Then the priests and Levites purified themselves and purified the people and gates in the wall. So I brought the leaders of Judah up on the wall. Now notice, what, notice this carefully. I brought, the, I brought the leaders of Judah up on the wall and appointed two large thanksgiving choirs. Okay, get that picture in your mind. Two large thanksgiving choirs. One went to the right hand on the wall toward the refuse gate. After them went uh, Hoshiiah, half the leaders of Judah, and Azariah, Ezra, Meshulam, Judah, Benjamin, Shemiah, Jeremiah, and some of the priests' sons of Trumpets, Zechariah, the son of Jonathan, the son of Shimei, the son of Mataniah, the son of uh, Micaiah, the son of Zechar, the son of Asaph, and his brethren, Shimei, Azarel, uh, Milali, Gilali, Mai, Nathanael, Judah, Hanani, with the musical instruments of David, the man of God, and Ezra the scribe went before them. So Ezra's out front. By the fountain gate in front of them, they went up the stairs of the city of David, on the stairway of the wall, beyond the house of David, as far as the water gate eastward. So one choir, it says there, went to the right hand. And that choir goes, it lists out some of those in the choir. Uh, It talks about uh, Ezra going before them. And I come down to verse 38, 38. The other Thanksgiving choir went the opposite way. And I was behind them with half of the people on the wall going past the tower of the ovens as far as the broad wall. And above the gate of Ephraim, above the old gate, above the fish gate, uh, the tower of uh, Hamanel, the tower of the hundred, as far as the sheep gate, and they stopped by the gate of the prison. So the two thanksgiving choirs stood in the house of God, likewise I and half of the rulers with me, and the priest, uh, Eliakim, Masiah, Menjamin, Micaiah, uh, Elohim, Eni, Zechariah, Hanani with trumpets, also uh, Masi, Shemamai, Eleazar, uh, Yuzi, uh, Johanan, uh, Melkinja, Elam, and Ezer. The singers sang, notice this, the singers sang loudly with Jezohiah, the director. So you get that picture, these two large Thanksgiving choirs marching on the wall opposite directions. They come to the house of God, verse 43. Also that day they offered great sacrifices and rejoiced, for God had made them rejoice with great joy. The women and the children also rejoiced, so that the joy of Jerusalem was heard afar off. And at the same time some were appointed over the rooms of the storehouses for the offerings, the first fruits of the tithes, to gather into them from the fields of the cities the portion specified by the law for the priests and Levites. For Judah rejoiced over the priests and Levites who ministered. Both the singers and the gatekeepers kept the charge of their God and the charge of the purification according to the command of David and Solomon, his son. For in the days of David and Asaph of old, there were chiefs of the singers and songs of praise and thanksgiving to God. In the days of Zerubbabel and in the days of Nehemiah, all Israel gave portions for the singers and the gatekeepers, a portion for each day. They also consecrated holy things for the Levites and the Levites consecrated them for the children of Of Aaron. Now, I want you to understand something right off the bat here tonight. This was a happy occasion. They were rejoicing. They were celebrating the completion of the wall. They were dedicating the wall to the glory of God. And we read that and we see a bunch of names, again, that's hard for us to pronounce. It's been a challenging study. Nehemiah is a little bit challenging if you have to read verbally uh, the names out loud. But they're there, real people, uh, serving our God, their God. And they're rejoicing in God's goodness. And they dedicate this wall to the glory of God. Now, we don't dedicate a wall to God. We as believers, we dedicate ourselves to God. Uh, Some familiar verses to many, perhaps. Romans chapter 12, verses 1 and 2. Listen to these words. I beseech you therefore, brethren. So he's writing to believers. I beseech you therefore, brethren, by the mercies of God, that you present your bodies, listen, your bodies, a living sacrifice, holy, acceptable to God, which is your reasonable service. And, be not, and do not be tra- conformed to this world, but be you transformed by the renewing of your mind, that so you may prove what is that good and acceptable and perfect will of God. And we live in a day where people feel like they've done God a favor if they come to church three times out of the month. I mean, they think, oh, I've really done a whole lot. And God must really be pleased with me because I came three out of four Sundays. And maybe I even came an extra Sunday on that fifth Sunday because we had Lord's Supper. And God must really be looking on me and thinking, boy, he's really something. She's really something. If I put something on the offering plate, I've really gone above and beyond. Listen, God says your reasonable services present your body a living sacrifice. A living sacrifice. Wholly acceptable to God, which is reasonable service. The problem is what? We're a living sacrifice. We crawl up on the altar and we crawl back off, don't we? we're to give ourselves, we're to dedicate ourselves to the glory of God. Now, I can't help but, as I read that passage tonight, to notice some traits that characterize them. And I think they should characterize us as well. And not just one day out of the year, not just on a special day like a day of dedication, but I think every day. So what can we learn from this episode? I mean, here they are, these large Thanksgiving choirs. Uh, These people dedicating the wall. What does that mean to us living in October, which is almost over. Can you believe that? October is almost over. October 2010. What do we learn from this passage that can uh, impact our lives for the glory of God? I think, number one, we're reminded that we should be pure. We should be pure. Look at verse 27 again. It says in verse 27 Now, the dedication of the wall of Jerusalem, they sought out the Levites in their places to bring them to Jerusalem to celebrate the dedication with gladness, both with thanksgivings and singings, with cymbals and stringed instruments and harps. They're going to be rejoicing, thanksgiving, dedicating the wall using instruments. They bring in the sons of the singers and all. But look at verse 30. The Bible says in verse 30, Then the priests and Levites purified themselves and purified the people and gates and the wall. Now, we don't know exactly how they went about this purification. If it was a washing, if it was involved blood. We're not told specifically how they dedicated the wall here. But we're reminded that personal purity is important. If we want to be happy and joyful, we better be holy. And notice the order. The Levites and priests purified themselves first, then the people, then the gates, then the wall. How important is this? Isaiah 116 says this, wash yourselves, make yourselves clean, put away the evil of your doings from before mine eyes, cease to do evil. You say, well, that's Old Testament. Listen to 2 Corinthians 7.1. 2 Corinthians 7.1 says this, therefore, having these promises, beloved, let us cleanse ourselves from all filthiness of the flesh and spirit, perfecting holiness and the fear of God. Let me ask you something. How important is holiness to God. Very important. Do you remember the scene in Isaiah. Uh, chapter 6. Where Isaiah sees the Lord. High and lifted up in his throne. And he saw that there were some seraphim there. And they were flying. Uh, back, uh, back and forth. And those seraphim. Uh, had six wings. If you remember the, the passage there. With two they flew. And two they covered their uh, faces. And two they covered their feet. I think it says there. And. Um, What were they crying out to one another? Do you remember what it says? Holy, holy, holy. Holy, holy, holy. He's what we might say, the thrice holy God. Maybe because of the Trinity. God the Father, God the Son, God the Holy Spirit. He is holy. Uh, It means separate. It means set apart. Um, Holiness is important to the Lord. And it's important and should be important to us. Uh, we should be a clean people before the Lord. Now, here's the question. I don't answer it out loud, but is there sin in your life tonight? Are you pure in word? Are you pure in deed? Are you pure in thoughts? You see, we walk in a sinful world, and uh, we, we sometimes get dirty, don't we? we? need to go to the Lord, and we need to confess those things and get right about them. First John 1, 9 says, We confess our sins. He is faithful and just to forgive us our sin, that cleanse us from all unrighteousness. And so we live in a world and we need to keep a short account with God. Uh, when sin comes to our life, um, now, there's a difference, though, right, between temptation and sin. Some believers are beaten down tonight because uh, they have taken temptation and they think because they're tempted, they're awful. Listen, Christ was tempted in all points like as we, yet without sin. I mean, the devil took it up and he tempted him. And the thing about it is temptation is not a sin. Somewhere along the way today, you were probably tempted to sin at least. Maybe somebody cut you off in traffic. Um, Maybe somebody made you mad. Maybe somebody said something out of the way to you. Maybe you have a a temptation to say something, to do something, to respond in a certain way. Is the temptation a sin? No. But when when we respond on that temptation, you know... We studied, it. how did it last a little while, David and Bathsheba? In Sunday school, I do know, it's been in the last little while, I don't remember how far back. When David first saw Bathsheba, what an appropriate name, don't you think, though? It's easy to remember her story. When, when David first saw Bathsheba, the very first look, was that sin? No. And that was an accidental thing. It was a look. It was something that was not sinful. Um, it became a, a sin, though. When instead of, what should he have done? Flee, youthful lust, we, we run. The Bible's very clear when it comes to immorality and sexual sin. You don't debate it, you don't stand around and talk about it. You run from it. David should have looked and accidentally he, he saw it, he should have turned, went downstairs, closed the windows, closed the doors, turned out the light, and prayed and got to his bed and, and went to sleep, right? Uh-huh. Uh, but it became sin because he looked again. And he lusted and he leered. And we know the whole sad story that ultimately well, his life was never the same again. God forgave him, but his family is just destroyed and just, just horrible things. And he's a man after God's own heart. And yet he's not above sin. And so temptations come in our lives. And Christ was tempted in all points like us. We are yet without sin. But if we do yield to a temptation... And, and, and we do, don't we? I don't think anybody here would say that you've never sinned since you became a, a Christian. Um, if you do, you probably just sinned. The sin of lying. Uh, we sin. What should we do the moment that we sin? We should, not, we, go, huh? we, we, should, we should go to the Lord and confess, like First John 1, 9 says. Confess means agree with God. Keep short accounts with the Lord. Keep short accounts. David... He tried to cover his sin. You remember the story of David Bathsheba? I mean, ultimately led to murder and covering up. But he was miserable all the way through. If you read his confession, you read uh, how God dealt with him until God finally brought him to his senses. And as a believer, when you sin, that conviction comes, doesn't it? When you realize, I have sinned, that conviction comes in your life. You need to deal with it right away. You need to deal with it right away. Keep short accounts with God. Keep... The fellowship open between you and the Lord. Don't let sin begin to stack up and block that fellowship. And the relationship's still there. If you're truly born again, no doubt about it. We're secure in Christ. But that fellowship there is strained and it's hindered. And so here we have a, a passage that reminds us the need to be pure. If we're really going to rejoice, if we're really going to be worshiping the Lord, we need a clean heart clean hands. Listen, have you ever tried to come to a worship service and sing God's praises when you know you're in sin? I mean, you're resisting God, the Holy Spirit. Can you freely worship God? Can you really just enter into a wonderful time of praise and celebration when you know that God, the Holy Spirit, is working on your heart and there's something not right? Man, it hinders your worship, doesn't it? And you cannot worship freely. A lot of people come to God's house and they get, well, they're just miserable for an hour or so and, and they just go through and endure it. Why? Because more than likely there's probably sin in their life. And one of the things we do before we take the Lord's Supper, we spend time examining ourselves and making sure our hearts are clean before God. Um, so we, we're reminded here we need to be pure. Before they went out, they were getting ready to sing and praise the Lord. Before they did that, they purified themselves. We should be pure. Secondly, I think this passage is very clear in reminding us that we should have a song in our hearts. We should have a song in our hearts. So this is a pretty neat thing. Two large, two Thanksgiving choirs here go up on the walls, and they go in opposite directions on the walls. Now, again, we've got to kind of get in the Old Testament setting here. We don't think much about walls, um, but it was a very important thing in their city and to cities back then. And they're singing songs of Thanksgiving. Now, imagine they're walking along on the walls that they had restored. They were once broken down. I mean, they have been against all kinds of odds and, and things, and now they're walking along and they're praising God for His goodness to them. Maybe you've experienced it yourself. Maybe you've been involved in a a burning of a church mortgage or something like that. I'm, I'm ready to get this woman gotten out, you know, out of the way or whatever. That is a time of rejoicing. Is a time of saying, God, thank you for your blessings. Thank you for using us. Thank you for your faithfulness. Our enemies were against us. They made fun of us. They mocked us. They threatened us. Nehemiah's life was in danger. And now they're walking along on a completed strong wall to the glory of God. God had been faithful. And I guarantee you this was not a half-hearted singing. Now, a lot of times, if we're honest about it, our singing leaves a lot to be desired. Oh, how I love Jesus. Oh, how I You know, I mean, it's pathetic. Let's look at how they sing. Look at the end of verse 43. Verse 43. Let's read the whole verse. Also that day they offered great sacrifices, rejoiced, for God had made them rejoice with great joy. The women and the children also rejoiced so that the joy of Jerusalem... doesn't even say the singing. It says the joy of Jerusalem was heard afar off. They rejoiced. Um, it's one... Swindoll talked about He didn't believe they were walking, marching around the wall like they were going to a funeral procession. He believes they were singing and praising and, and glorifying God. I Think about David, you know, coming forth, dancing before the Lord as he comes in with the ark. This is a time of rejoicing and celebration. Now, is that how you sing? Do you sing from a full heart? Is there a song in your heart tonight? Do you ever just lift your voice during the day to the Lord? Now, I know some people are more inclined to sing than others. Some people are more gifted at singing than others. But do you ever catch yourself just singing a song? We were riding along uh the other week and, and we we're riding along, getting just burst out singing, our God, our God is greater. Our God is greater, our God is stronger. Uh I was somewhere the other day, I caught myself singing and I think I was at a store, I don't remember where I was. Uh, and I looked around, nobody's there. But anyway, um I just sang on, you know. Is there a song in your heart tonight? You say, that, that's, a, that's something a believer can understand. Maybe an unbeliever can't. They might have a, a wordless song in their heart, but what about a song that praises God? Psalm 98, 4-6. says, Shout joyfully to the Lord of all the earth. Break forth in song, rejoice, and sing praises. Sing to the Lord with a harp, with the harp of the sound of a psalm, with the trumpets and the sound of a horn. Shout joyfully before the Lord, the King. You ever just break out your harp and just go to town? Well, I don't have a harp either, but uh, do you lift your voice in praise to the Lord? Do you know these verses? See if you can identify this, uh, this passage. Make a joyful shout to the Lord, all you lands. Serve the Lord with gladness. Come before his presence with singing. Know that the Lord, He is God. It is He who hath made us and not we ourselves. We are His people and the sheep of His pasture. Enter into His gates with thanksgiving, into His courts with praise. Be thankful to Him and bless His name. For the Lord is good. His mercy is everlasting and His truth endures to all generations. Where is that found? 100. Psalm 100. That's right. Psalm 100, verses 1-5. through 5. God wants to enter into His praises, into His presence with joy and singing and gladness. Now... Can we do that in the midst of trials and testings? Yes. Remember the story of um, wasn't it Paul and Silas? They're in prison. What happened at midnight? Remember the story? Yeah. And, uh, yeah. and In the midst there, and I think the scripture talks about that they were singing praises to the Lord. Uh, I didn't get to write that reference down. You might have to look at that. And you go back and look at it make sure I'm telling you correctly. We'll get that straight if we didn't. But the thing about it is, in the midst of trials and testings and, and struggles, we can have a song in our heart because we know Christ. Now, let's do something real quickly. We're a small crowd here tonight. Um, just keep the opportunity. Share with me your favorite, with the group here, if you want to, your favorite hymn or song and why. You don't have to sing it. But what's your favorite hymn or song and why? Anybody want to share? Your favorite hymn or song. Christian song. And if it's you know there's a tear in my beer, I don't want to hear about that, but uh, your favorite Christian song or, or hymn. Anybody want to share?
1: Well I love victory in Jesus.
0: Mm-hmm. Uh good. that's a fantastic song, isn't it? Do you like that one too? Okay. Anybody How else? How great thou art. Alright? He lives. He lives? Yeah, great truth. Yes. Count your blessings. Count your blessings. Yes, yes. You like them all. I like. I
1: can't even think the name of it now. Praise God from whom all. The doxology. The doxology,
0: Oh, good. It's important for us not to get in the routine because that can be very routine and monotonous. We sing that every Sunday, but if we sing it full heart and you really think about what you're singing, exactly, it's not just a song to bring the offering forward. It's a song of praise to the Lord. Anybody else? yes 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 these songs are meaningful because of the message they contain right um, one of my favorites is, you may not know it's called be still my soul uh, it's an old hymn be still my soul the lord is still on thy side and uh, he guides the future as he has the past it's a a great, great message in that song. It's been encouragement to me through the years, especially uh, any times of trial and struggle. To be still my soul, uh, to trust the Lord. Well, they had a song on their heart, and uh, they had pure hands and a pure heart. The third thing we learn from here uh, tonight is we should practice. We should practice giving. Uh, verses forty-three through forty-seven. There talks about them offering great sacrifices. Uh, verse 44 says, At The same time some were appointed over the rooms of the storehouse for the offerings, for the first fruits and the tithes, to gather into them from the fields of the cities the portion specified by the law for the priests and Levites, for Judah rejoiced over the priests and Levites who ministered. And it goes on talking about that. Now, of course, they brought the first fruits, they brought from their field, uh, they brought in uh, maybe differently we would bring in. Uh, I don't think I saw any kind of fruits or vegetables in the offering plate this past Sunday. Uh, but we understand back in those days they would bring and share a portion with the priests and Levites and so forth. And we see them giving. And if you are um, filled with a song and you have pure heart and clean hands and you're rejoicing in the Lord, you're going to be a giving person. And it's not always giving money, but that is part of it. We do give our tithes and offerings, but you give a but what are some ways we can give? Let me just give that out of the way real quick, and then we'll look specifically about uh, their giving here. Your time. your time. You can give your time, for sure. Um, we already mentioned tithes and offerings. Your
1: talents.
0: your talents. And you may give food. You may not bring it here. You may bring it to a shut-in. You may bring it to a family that's lost a loved one. You may bring it to someone who's ill or sick. Um, what else can we do as far as giving is concerned? Sometimes we can give to a person just by listening to them, can't we? Just by giving them the time to let them share what's on their heart. Specifically here, if if they're going to be pure, they had to give. Malachi 3, 8-12 Will a man rob God? Yet you have robbed me. But you say, in what way have we robbed you in tithes and offerings? You are cursed with a curse, for you have robbed me, even this whole nation." Bring all the tithes to the storehouse, there may be food in my house, and try me now in this, says the Lord of hosts. If I will not open for you the windows of heaven and pour out for you such a blessing that there will not be room enough to receive it. And I will rebuke the devourer for your sakes, so that he will not destroy the fruit of your ground, nor shall the vine fail to bear fruit for you in the field, says the Lord of hosts. And all nations will call you blessed, for you will be a delightful land, says the Lord of hosts. 1 Corinthians 16, 1 and 2. Now concerning the collection for the saints, as I have given orders to the churches of Galatia, so you must do also on the first day of the week. Let each one of you lay something aside, storing up as he may prosper, there be no collections when I come. Matthew six, twenty and twenty one. But lay up for yourselves treasures in heaven, where neither moth nor rust destroys, and where thieves do not break it and steal, for where your treasure is, there your heart will be also. You ever thought about what a privilege it is to give? to God's work, to give to the Lord. We've got to remember that and keep that in perspective. When we put an offering in the offering plate, when we give, we're giving to God. Not just the church, not just to uh, missions or whatever. We give ultimately to God. Now, when I was a little boy, um, I wasn't really little, when I was a young boy, uh, I, I was confused on this. I wanted to know how, when we give our money at church, how do you get that money to God? I really wanted to know that. you know, How do you get this money to God? Because in my mind, I thought, okay, we're giving, we're giving money to God. This is God's task of money to God. I wanted to know, how do they make that transfer? How does this money go from this little offering plate or whatever to heaven to God? Of course, I, I had very limited understanding. But it, the, the truth is, nonetheless, we are giving to God. And we're allowed to give back a portion of that which He's entrusted to us. And we're stewards. It's not ours to start with. Now, Nehemiah... And the people are celebrating the goodness of God. They're dedicating the wall to God. We, too, should celebrate the goodness of God. We, too, should dedicate ourselves to the Lord. Now, here's the question tonight. Are you practicing these things? Are you practicing purity? Are you singing joyfully to the Lord? Are you giving of your tithe, time and talent to God? You know, I think sometimes we don't celebrate enough. We don't celebrate enough. I think sometimes we don't repent and mourn enough. Uh, but I think sometimes we don't celebrate enough to realize just how glorious our God is. Notice the focus here is upon the Lord. They're seeing to the Lord. They're purifying themselves. They're dedicating the wall to the Lord. Their whole demeanor in life here is all about Him. Ours should be the same. Well, any comments or anything on this tonight?
1: Didn't David also have choirs that just sang constantly?
0: I think so. Yeah. Singing, it's pretty interesting when you read this passage just how important singing is. We kind of think singing is almost a side note now. Uh, but if you're in the choir especially, you should feel encouraged tonight because I mean, you look at how important aspect they had, especially in the temple itself. Yes. Anything else?
1: Let me tell you a little story about a song if you haven't many. We do. My mother had a favorite song. It was called Sunrise. And she always told me she wanted to sing at her funeral. So when we left Carolina Medical Center I got home about five o'clock in the morning after she died. And I went to my music room. And there was that song out of the book, the Old Doc. Mm-hmm. Okay, Mama, you really want this song? Mm-hmm. The next morning, my sister-in-law got up to Mama's house before I did, and she called me. She said, They called me Gray. She said, Gray, <coughs> you might not gonna believe this. I said, I went to your Mama's piano, and the book was open to Sunday. I said,
0: wow. I
1: said, That will be Sunday. You are
0: Yes. <laughs> Praise the Lord. Praise the Lord. It's amazing how meaningful a song can become, and it can become a theme song of a believer. Thank you for sharing that story.
1: Another song I've always loved is "I Must Tell Jesus." Yes. Having problems, I mean, I can get to singing that song. Yes. It's, it's just a special song. And years—I don't know how long I've been doing it. The I keep a cassette player on the back porch, and I keep. A, cassette in it playing all the time. I wore out four cassettes. <laughs> Day and night. And Samantha and Anna, when they were there a lot during the summer, we had the porch windows up. And there was one song on there and Samantha said, I just can't that song we can hear it in our room at night and even above the air conditioning. And she told me which it was I went out there on the porch, and she said, "Every time I go through there, it's on." Well, I went out there and just made it play that song over. <laughs> 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 and she got a lot to it. She said, "Mom, you play in that one all the time." I said, you know, when you told me to, she played it. So then I started playing it back. But, and sometimes it gets stopped, the power interrupts or something, but. I just had to replace it. <laughs> you
0: keep it playing all the time. You just keep the the. the I've
1: got another song that I play at night when we're asleep in the living room. Now it has different
0: songs in it. That's awesome. So, uh, That's awesome. That's the I thing. I
1: just think we need to be praising God constantly.
0: Yes, right? yes, and and I know that we have a a you know, younger generations, and um, I know that. Um, uh, Christian music. There's there's newer songs, but let's let's do our best to always make sure they know the hymns too. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, they can listen to praise and worship and those things, but let's make sure they know the hymns. You know, it's it's good to have a mix so they'll know these great hymns, so they won't die with us, mm-hmm. uh, right?
1: It's just amazing that um, we're talking about songs of praise t- tonight. I don't listen to my radio a lot in my car. Mm-hmm. And just today, I said, you know, I keep seeing these um, tags on the front of these vehicles, 91.9. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And I said, yeah, I'm going to turn it to that station, and I will listen to it all day long. Yeah. And that's yeah. just amazing that, you know, we're talking about that tonight. And yeah. I, I believe that's the first time I've ever listened to that yeah. station. It was just really great, and I just felt... Good. I mean, yes. All day, even though I didn't know the words and the song. Yes. <laughs> you know any of them that yeah. I can remember? Well, "Amazing Grace" I think came on. and knew that one. But yeah. Was, and they are I taking some of the hymns
0: and they're they're setting them to the different, different yeah. tunes yeah. now too. Yeah. You'll notice that. No, in fact,
1: that... like traditional. If it's a hymn that I know, I wish they could
0: leave
1: it. <laughs> 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 I don't like these Christmas things they do and change them. I don't like that. Leave it <laughs> Hey, but don't take something and mess it up. Mm-hmm. It's not broke. Don't <laughs> it they're, they're beautiful the way
0: they are. Don't, don't try it. I've said this many times, and we're going to do something. No, do, we're going to let you go a little bit early tonight. You can tell all your friends and family and other <laughs> church members that I let you out early. But you, imagine for a moment, we know that music is a gift from God. Mm-hmm. It was not our creation. God gave it to us as a gift. Imagine life without music and song. I just can't do it. Well, certain songs. But imagine, imagine church, no music, no song. Imagine life, no music, no song. Would even the birds sing if there was no music, no song? He's put a song in our heart, a new song in our heart. Let's praise him. I appreciate you sharing those tonight. It's encouragement to hear others testifying to God's goodness. And uh, once again, uh, an ancient book in the Bible, uh, Nehemiah. Uh, has a store that meets us where we live today. And uh, go forth singing and rejoicing in God. Let's pray. Father, we thank you for music and for the gift of song. And Father, we rejoice in your goodness tonight. I thank you that we can lift our voices in praise. Thank you for these choirs that sang in Nehemiah's time. I uh, thank you that we can lift our voices. This is a great choir. We're looking forward to that great day where we're all together. Lord, all the redeemed are together praising you. What a day that will be. Help us, Lord, to go forth with purity, singing, and giving freely and joyfully to you. Bless us as we go our separate ways tonight. Watch over us. Be with us. Bless our families. Help us in all things to honor Christ. In his holy and precious name we pray. Amen.